Welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. John Paulson, Anthony Stalter, we're, we're back at it again. And John, once I get a couple of Twitter questions, and I'm sure you get them too, where, where is the podcast? You know, you, you start getting those questions repeatedly. Yes. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's time to talk some more fantasy football. So it's good to have you back on the pod. I feel like we go from talking twice a week to not talking at all. And then here we are again. And again, it's good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's a good time to get going. We, we, uh, published our, uh, rankings uh, a couple weeks ago and, uh, things are ramping up a little bit and we get into, uh, June here. And this is the last month of the early birds pricing, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But then you get into July and all of a sudden, next thing you know, training camp starting and, uh, the season is upon us. So it's a great time to start the, the podcast back up. How's everything been going in your non, your non fantasy world? Everything's going, everything's going pretty well. Uh, it's, it's after the season, it's kind of a deep time to decompress and then you get, get back into the rankings. And uh, I've been writing quite a few articles and, uh, updating rankings, doing the news, all that kind of stuff. Uh, my son's in uh, a new soccer club this year, which is great. He's got a new coach who, who actually likes him, uh, which is great. <laughs> it's good. We'll go too, too, too detail of that, but that was a good move for us. And, uh, you know, um, it's it's been a it's been a good uh, spring. How about you? How's parenthood? It's wild. So Madeline, my daughter, is going to be a year old on June twenty first. So we've been doing the you know we've been doing all the planning party, uh, planning for the party. And and as you probably know, that first party, I think you spend more than than really what you need to for. Uh, a little little baby that's not going to know what's going on, but it's really more for the parents, right? You you celebrate the fact that you got through a year, you got and the kids still year. alive. Yeah, and you really, it's going to be rough until. Well, I don't know. I don't know how Madeline is, but uh, age three, age four, it's, it's when you can actually leave them in a room for five minutes and not, you know, worry about them killing themselves. That's really right. the, the hurdle. Because you just spend so much time just worrying about them, keeping them out of trouble, keeping them out of this, keeping them out of that, you know. And uh, once you get to the point where they can actually play in a room uh, by themselves for a few minutes, it's a, it's a nice, uh, liberating feeling. Yeah, I, I imagine I'm looking forward to that time because right now she needs she needs constant attention, and she's in that that stage where she always she's kind of looking at you like dance clown. You know, they yeah. do something entertaining. Make me laugh, yeah. Exactly. So that's been kind of interesting. Anyways, uh, good to catch up with you, John. Before we get too far away from what the music was, why don't you tell us about what brought us in today? Yeah, and I've uh, I've been this busy this off season. Uh, I've got a backlog here of twelve or fifteen songs for the podcast. So we're nice. we're we're lined up and ready to go here for most of the summer. And uh, I've I've gotten uh, people, to, you know. Uh, t- tweeting at me, not so much, you know, we want the podcast back, but we need the podcast music back. <laughs> um, so <laughs> uh, maybe they miss the music more than they miss us, but that's okay. Uh, but I looked through the, it gave me a chance to kind of reflect on the the, the most accurate podcast playlist. And I realized that uh, as I was looking through some of my music that I didn't have any songs by Jay Roddy Walston in the business. So we, we remedied, remedied that today with uh, Take It As It Comes, which is the third track off their 2013 uh, album, uh, essential tremors. So, uh, be sure to check out the playlist on, on Spotify. You can always find a link, uh, in the, uh, podcast, uh, post on the, on the website. If you, uh, can't find it, uh, on Spotify. I gotta be honest. I'm a little disappointed that you didn't, you didn't bring us back in with, uh, Rebecca oh. Black's Friday. 
Yes. Uh, so I meant to mention that uh, Anthony and I, we worked together at our previous job at the Scores Report, and uh, I would always send Anthony music suggestions, and you would send me a few too, but I always had more for you because I was trolling the internet for good songs and everything. And every once in a while, I would sneak in Rebecca Black's Friday, and if you don't know um, <laughs> the song, go to YouTube. It's got, oh, I don't know how many millions and millions like of, of views, like, like it's 100 million views, I believe. On this song, so uh, if you if you're not aware of it or what it is, uh, you know, go to YouTube, check out Rebecca Black Friday, and uh, you can thank me later. John's not, you know, you're you're almost kind of underselling it. You were very creative when you would used to send me that song. So John and I used to communicate back and forth. John was fan, a fantasy writer, fantasy football writer for the Scores Report, and you did. Uh, NBA in college basketball, and I handled most of the NFL uh, gen- yeah, yeah, general NFL, college, college football, football, and baseball. Yeah. So John and I used to kind of communicate all day long via Skype. I think I talked to you more than uh, my wife now and my, my girlfriend at the time because you and I were just on online all the time. And yeah. John would be like, hey, got another song for you. And he would send me a real song, something – You know, John's very creative when it comes to – Send, you know, get finding like that music that you don't always hear that, that not the radio pop hits and things right, like that. Right, right. But every once in a while, he would like shrink up the link so I wouldn't know it's Rebecca Black's Friday, <laughs> and then send it to me. And and as John kind of alluded to, this this song went viral at the time, and it's all auto tune. I almost feel bad for the girl that this yeah. Rebecca Black that put the video together because the songs. I mean, it's just again, it's kind of got like this cult following now. So well, they, anyways. I, I just sent you a link. There's a 2013 follow-up Saturday, which I didn't even know, but she did do a follow-up uh, to it. I was listening to it as we were getting ready for the podcast today. So it's it's put me in a pretty uh, jovial mood, to say the least. Good, good. Uh, let's get into the fantasy football meat and potatoes that we have for you today on the podcast. And we might as well start off with Jeremy Mac- uh, Macklin, John, who was cut last weekend, so a couple days ago, by Kansas City. It was kind of a surprise move, given that Andy Reid, had Jeremy Macklin in Philadelphia drafted him and yeah. then brought him over to Kansas City in a in a big time free agent contract. He might land in Buffalo. That was the first team that was reported to be interested, and it really came from Lashawn McCoy, kind of recruiting Macklin to to come to him uh, in Buffalo to come play with Buffalo. And those two guys were teammates in in Philadelphia. But he's also visiting Baltimore today. So what's his fa- fantasy value look like if he signs with either team? Well, it was a surprising uh, move by KC because they're they're not exactly flush with receiving talent. Uh, You know, after Macklin and Tyreek Hill, um, you know, you have Albert Wilson and um, Chris Conley have been the ones that have played played the most snaps over the last couple of years. So that was kind of surprising. Like they would they would decide to part ways at this point. Um, It it obviously hurts uh, Alex Smith a little bit, but over in Buffalo, if he were to land there, it would be a boost for for Tyrod Taylor. Um, who's not dealing with a ton of receiver talent himself. They, they have Sammy Watkins, who's very good, but uh, injury prone. And uh, they drafted Zay Jones uh, and they, they drafted a bunch of, or they assigned a bunch of like veterans that have, you know, occasionally had fantasy relevance um, there. Uh, they, they, Philly Brown, um, they've got uh, Andre Holmes, just a couple names there. They're trying to, they're trying to scramble to, they're doing what Chicago is doing and trying to dra- draft as many or sign as many uh, receivers and, and try to put cobble together a uh, receiving core. Uh, so if Macklin lands in Buffalo, I think, I would think he's the second receiver there after uh, Watkins, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Zay Jones, uh, you know, has a good rookie year. 
Um, uh, Macklin did not have a good year last year. He was the number 44 uh, fantasy receiver prior to his uh, groin injury, which cost him, I believe, four games um, and uh, kind of kind of submarined his season. So it wasn't like he was tearing it up before his injury. Uh, you wonder if he's, uh, you know, losing a step or whatever, but uh, he, he definitely is a veteran presence that would help uh, Tyrod Taylor, given the nature of that uh, uh, receiving core. And if he, if he lands in Baltimore, uh, I would be a little bit more, you know, optimistic because uh, they throw the ball uh, more than uh, the Bills do. And, uh, you know, they have Mike Wallace there and Brashad Perriman, but there's definitely room uh, for Macklin in that offense. Uh, it's not like, uh, both those guys are going to get 120, 150, uh, targets. But, uh, you know, either, either spot, I think we're looking at Malik Macklin as a wide receiver, five wide receiver, six type. And then conversely, let's talk a little bit about Macklin's departure and what it means for Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Those were the two big weapons a year ago for Alex Smith in Andy Reid's offense. So do things stay status quo or do you bump those two up now that Macklin's out of the picture? Yeah, I mean, I had I had uh, Hill uh, ranked higher than Macklin, significantly higher than Macklin when Macklin was still in KC. Uh, I just feel like it's uh, it's the Kelsey Hill show at this point, and Macklin is more of a complimentary piece. Um, I wrote a big article about this called "What Can We Expect from Travis Kelsey and Terry Kill?" And the Travis Kelsey thing is is pretty easy. I mean, he's already my wide uh, my tight end two. Uh, now he's my PPR tight end one. Um, when when uh, Macklin was out for it was really five games that Macklin missed. He missed four games completely and then played like two snaps in a fifth game. And while he was out, Kelsey had nine targets per game. Uh, he only had 6.6 targets per game with Macklin. So you're looking at Kelsey as probably the, the number one option in the passing game. Uh, but Hill's work jumped up significantly too with Macklin 4.0 targets, um, without Macklin 7.8 targets. Uh, you're not expecting him to have as many long touchdown runs uh, as he did last year. It was really a fun year for for him uh, getting into it. But I, I looked at his all of his touches from week nine on, and I'm trying to understand the argument against him with Macklin leaving. Um, you know, why wouldn't Hill be a, a wide receiver too, fantasy wise? Uh, he, he's the 26th, 25th receiver off the board. I think that's gonna uh, he's gonna climb. Uh, in the ADP with Macklin gone, but there's a, you know, a lot of fantasy analysts out there arguing against him and the comparison, uh, the comparisons that they're using are Cordero Patterson, Tavon Austin, um, as guys. And sometimes they even use Percy Harvin as a negative comparable, even though Harvin finished, uh, 24, 22 and seven in his first three years in PPR. I think, uh, any Hill owner would be happy with that. Uh, start to the career, but just going back to Patterson and Austin, um, Tyreek, from what I saw on, on the game film, he, he really is a, a good route runner for somebody who hasn't played a whole lot of football in his life. Uh, he did, he did well on the, on the routes when they asked him to actually run a route. So I think he's uh, got a high ceiling. Um, and if he, if they start to run the offense through him, or if he, if he does play that Z position that Andy Reed uh, said he was going to yesterday, uh, making him the number one receiver in that offense. Uh, I think he's going to end up being a nice value, uh, a great value in the fifth round. I have a feeling he's going to be going in the fourth round for the most part. And I think he's a solid value there. Um, you know, obviously you like to get him later. I think in most leagues, you could probably get him in the fifth, sixth round. Um, but if you get into it with sharp 
uh, players, there's going to be some people wanting to pull pull the trigger on him in the in the fourth. And if he gets into the third, I think it's a little too pricey given all the receiving talent uh, in the league. But uh, you know, he's a high risk, high reward guy, and, and I'm a believer in him. I'm going to mention your article again, 4for4.com. John wrote about what we can expect from Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. He breaks down uh, numbers, comparables. He even mentions Albert Wilson and Chris Conley, what their roles are going to be, what Tyreek's role is going to be, and kind of a bottom line picture. So you can find that at 4for4.com if you're interested more about Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Kansas City. One other thing on that is that there's there's a tendency to look at uh, college stats as a, an argument against somebody like Hill. And I understand that when you're trying to, you're looking at a rookie or you're, you're, you're reviewing, the, reviewing the draft and trying to figure out who's going to produce. Um, I even understand that if you're talking about a rookie who had a, like kind of a disappointing year, or didn't get to play a whole lot and you're trying to project what his, uh, career is going to look like. But when you have Tyree Kill, who already showed that he can produce, and you have him playing for Andy Reid, who's a pretty good offensive mind there in Kansas City. You know, I'm not worried about what his numbers were when he was a senior at, or when he was playing at West Alabama or wherever he played. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, he's already got a top 24 year in under his belt. So I'm not looking at his college stats and saying this is the reason why he can't perform in the NFL. He's already performed in the NFL. So... If if Andy Reid believes in him and thinks he can be the number one receiver in Kansas City, then then I'm on board too. Let's talk about you know we we just got done discussing Jeremy Macklin. There was another wide receiver signed a big time free agent deal a couple of years ago that was released this week as well, and that was Eric Decker. He participated fully in OTAs, and he will reportedly be traded or released this week. And it's and it, and it looks like it's he's going to be released. Where's his best landing spot, and how do you project him? Uh, depending on where he goes. Yeah, I would, if I'm looking at these two receivers, Decker and Macklin, I would rather have Decker. Uh, he's a bigger, a bigger threat in the red zone. He's better in the red zone. Uh, he's really good in the slot. Uh, his numbers over the last couple of years are better, uh, especially from a fantasy standpoint uh, with the, the extra touchdowns. He's actually caught about twice as many touchdowns on average than, than Macklin has over the last two seasons. So I, I think Decker would be an upgrade for any receiving core. Um, if he's fully healthy and it looks like he is, he, he had like a shoulder and a hip issue or something like that. And both surgeries were expected to to take a recovery into to training camp, but he was, you know, in, in OTAs fully and is good to go. Um, I'm, a, I'm taking that at face value as opposed to the Jets saying he's good to go and uh, he gets traded somewhere and ends up f- failing a physical, uh, but assuming he's uh He's uh, fully healthy. Uh, I think he's a, he's a very interesting free agent uh, this late in the game. Uh, if he goes to Baltimore or Buffalo, the two aforementioned spots that uh, uh, Macklin is visiting, I think he'd uh, be a big upgrade for either one of those um, spots. And I think he'd be his value would be higher in, in Baltimore, given uh, you know they lost Steve Smith and they and they throw uh, they've thrown the most over the last two years of any team. Um, so the, 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 the pies there, but then of course in, in Buffalo, you know, Sammy Watkins is the number one, but if he gets hurt and all of a sudden you have Decker as your number one, uh, he could be very productive there as well with, uh, with Tyra Taylor throwing the ball. 
In my two cents, I, I've loved Eric Decker since Minnesota. I, I used to watch Minnesota games because they would often be the first Big Ten game on during the college football Saturday, and he would catch absolutely everything, and he never played with a decent quarterback at Minnesota. It never stopped him. But but just like in the NFL, what did halt him was injuries, and he was constantly mm-hmm. hurt. If he could stay healthy, John, I, I really like Eric Decker, again, based on where where he winds up. Absolutely, and, and that's a that's – a... Uh, a, a story to follow here over the next couple of weeks. If you're, if you're looking for fancy storylines, because uh, he's, he's a lot better than advertised and I, and people have kind of forgotten about him since he uh, missed most of last season with injuries. John wrote a rookies article and we'll dive into that uh, in a second here, but I want to remind listeners and John mentioned this before that early bird pricing is still available. It expires at the end of the month though. So don't wait too long. Classic, classic subscriptions are $24 a year. The pro subscription is $49 a year. Now what that includes is unlimited draft analyzer live sync, which is awesome. League sync on the four for four site. And John, you can help talk a little bit about what, what kind of value that brings to a, a listener. Yeah, League Sync is something we've been working on for the last uh, couple seasons. We ra- rolled out a beta version of it late last year. Um, and what it, what, what it does is it'll start to highlight if you, if you're importing your, your league, Anthony, um, and you're, you're on your certain team, whatever, and you're looking at the rankings, it'll highlight your players, uh, in the rankings for that week. Uh, it'll also highlight players that are available on your waiver wire. So you might be able to uh, find a player that, uh, is a good streaming option at your flex or RB2 spot or tight end or defense or whatever, uh, you're looking for. Uh, it'll, it'll let you know who's available in your league. And that's, that's the toughest part for me when I play multiple leagues is, is kind of scouring the waiver wire to see if there's anybody worthwhile picking up. And it just takes a lot of time, especially when you're in five, six, seven leagues. So, uh, having the league sync on uh, makes that, uh, much less of a headache, and it's a pretty exciting feature for 444 next year. And do you want to talk more about the the, the, the content provided by Chris Raybon and TJ Hernandez as well? Yeah, the DFS uh, sub is $79, bucks, uh, normally $99. Uh, might be Actually, regular price might be a little bit higher at this point, but um, $79 right now through uh, July 1 or through the end of June. Not exactly sure what date it uh, ends. You might want to get on it, but uh, it's – it includes everything that's in pro plus all of 444's DFS content, uh, lineup generator, uh, all the great content written by Chris Raybon, TJ Hernandez, and the rest of the uh, DFS uh, contributors. It's been a great addition to the site over the last few years. Uh, the, those that have been using it really seem to like it, and uh, it's it, it pays for itself if you uh, if you use the lineup generator on, at uh, DraftKings or FanDuel or when, whatever site you want to use. Now, John, I mentioned the article that you wrote for 444.com. This is your rookies article. You talk about Leonard Fournette, Samaje Piran, and some other rookies that are going to make a fantasy impact in 2017. And I, I feel like with rookies, everybody's always excited about rookie players, have a tendency to overdraft them. But these are guys that you feel as though could make a uh, significant impact in 2017. Do you want to start off with quarterbacks or running backs? We'll start off with quarterbacks because we can get through them pretty quickly. I, I don't, uh, I mean, there might be a quarterback that finishes here, you know, finishes in the top 20, uh, top 15. It's even possible that one finishes in the top 12, but it, it, I, I wouldn't recommend drafting a rookie trying to find the next Jack Prescott because they just don't happen very often. Um, there's been one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, no, five, uh, five quarterbacks that have rookie quarterbacks that have finished 
in the top 12 since, uh, or in the last eight seasons. Um, so, you know, you're looking at five and eight seasons. So it's like every other year there's, there's one that finishes in the top 12. Um, and most do not. So, you know, you're looking at maybe Deshaun Watson, um, if he is able to beat out Tom Savage and, and, and be in a pretty good situation there in Houston. Um, you know, Mitch Trubisky's got to uh, beat out Mike Lennon. Uh, that's no sure thing. Um, you know, maybe Deshaun Kaiser wins the job in Cleveland. Um, but there's just not a whole lot in terms of the rookie, uh, quarterbacks this year in terms of uh, upside or, or anybody to get excited about. Uh, Dak Prescott sort of came out of nowhere last year because of Tony Romo's injury. Um, and, you know, most quarterbacks in that situation would have fallen, you know, rookies would have fallen on their face, but he, he didn't. Um, so even if a, a rookie gets a chance, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to end up being the next Dak Prescott. So keep that in mind when you're, when you're drafting your quarterback. And you, br- you brought up a great point too about Prescott in your first first paragraph when you're talking about the fact that he wound up in an excellent situation he had Uh the best offensive line in front of him he had a a rookie of the year candidate in Ezekiel Elliott at running back he had does Brian a true legit number one wide receiver uh tight end and Jason Witten I mean Dak Prescott wound up in a great situation and the coaching staff did such a good job of scaling back the offense early on and then throwing more at him uh as as he could handle it throughout the course of the year so you're right there was Finding the next Dak Dak Prescott is like finding a needle in a haystack, and none of the rookies that are are heading into the NFL this year, outside of maybe Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be stuck behind Alex Smith, none of them are are, are winding up in a great situation. Yeah, and like I think Kaiser probably has as good a chance as Watson to to win the job, um, but you know, and after that, maybe Trubisky. Uh, but you would think that they would let him learn behind Mike Lennon. Uh, it's just not just just not a lot for rookie quarterbacks this year. I love the running back draft class this year. I loved it before the draft, and I think the, uh, several guys have an opportunity to make big time impacts this season, including Leonard Fournette, who wound up in Jacksonville. And John, if they put it, uh, uh, if they put a fullback in front of Leonard Fournette, which is what he had a lot of times at LSU, I could see him making an impact the way Adrian Peterson did his rookie year. Yeah, I think I think running backs is the one exception where I uh, I feel like the hype is sometimes worthwhile with the rookie class because uh, if 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 a running back is drafted really early and it's a it's an obvious situation like the Ezekiel Elliott situation last year, uh, you could pretty much bank that if they um, stay healthy that they're going to see 250 300 touches and and produce. So I, I think Leonard Fournette is in that class uh i don't think he's i think they drafted him to be the bell cow there uh i don't know that he's he's not in the Ezekiel Elliott class of situation um he's not he's not running behind the dallas offensive line but i I think he's a solid late second round early third round pick in ppr formats uh he's 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 less of a pass catcher than some of the other guys we're going to talk about but uh, in terms of guaranteed workload i think fournette uh is at the top of the list here of the this running back class all right, let's talk about three court, three running backs. You got Joe Mixon who wound up in Cincinnati. You got Christian McCaffrey who wound up in Carolina, and then Dalvin Cook with Minnesota. I think Dalvin Cook was the more pro, the most pro ready running back entering this year's draft, uh, even more so than Leonard Fournette. I think Dalvin Cook 
while you're not going to put a, a fullback in front of him, he fits in, in most spread schemes. He's a, he's, he's very good in shotgun formations and single back formations. Minnesota's offensive line isn't great, but I love Dalvin Cook as a, as a prospect. So talk about him, uh, Mixon, and then your, your feelings on McCaffrey as well. Yeah, uh, Cook, they, the Vikings could not run the ball last year to save their lives. And, you know, it doesn't just because you draft a running back doesn't mean you suddenly be able to run it. But they did add a couple offensive linemen free agency in the draft. So they could be improved there. And if he's, uh, better than Jarek McKinnon, uh, Matt Asiata, which won't, I guess, from a yards per carry standpoint, wouldn't be too hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, he should lead that backfield in touches. You have Latavius Murray there that was signed in, um, free agency and he's dealing with I think an ankle injury that's going to keep him out until camp so Cook's having uh, getting a chance to get all these reps and and get a chance to sort of take his claim for the job I think they they drafted him for that for that role and I think you're looking at Murray as the backup there with uh, McKinnon as uh, the the third running back maybe a a passing down back Uh, I think Cook is probably of the three that we're talking about now with McCaffrey and Mixon Cook is probably the best value of the three since he's going in the uh, fifth round right now. Um, there's probably a little bit more risk with him. Um, given what I just mentioned about Latavius Murray being there, the running game overall for, for the Vikings. Uh, McCaffrey is going very early. Uh, he's, I think he's a third round pick right now. PPR. Uh, he has high upside, uh, in the passing game as a receiver. I, I wonder, this is sort of a chicken or the egg uh, situation with, with the Panthers because they have not, featured run, uh, running backs in the passing game very heavily. And right. now are they, are they going to be able to convince or, or get uh, Cam Newton to, to dump it off or to, you know, are they going to have to call plays uh, to get McCaffrey the ball specifically um, because he has not shown a tendency to, to dump it off too much. Uh, so this could be a situation where, you know, McCaffrey could have 70, 80 catches if the, if the offense is designed to get him that, or it could be a situation where he has 40 or 50 and it's kind of disappointing because, uh, you know, they, they just haven't, uh, featured the, the running back in the passing game. I'm more inclined to believe that they're going to, since they drafted him, that they're really trying to use the running back, uh, position more in the passing game and, and, and they'll try to do as much as possible. I'm just a little bit leery, uh, about, uh, Newton, uh, and how his decision making when he throws the ball. And then, uh, Mixon, uh, is joining Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard in the Cincinnati backfield. It looks like he'll be the starter sooner rather than later, although it may not happen immediately. Uh, but he's a really good receiver as well. Um, he could really take over both Hill and Bernard's role. So it's going to be interesting to see how the, the team uses these three backs, what the pecking order is in uh, preseason and, in, you know, training camp and to try to get an idea for how these touches are going to be split up. It might end up being a, a committee. And that's why I think Mixon's, you know, he's going in the third round as well. And that seems a little, a little, steep of a price considering that the, the competition that he has there for touches. I'm glad you brought up the case with Christian McCaffrey because it is an interesting case study. As you noted, they drafted him in the top 10. So you would figure they're going to have a role for him. They know specifically how they're going to use him and they're going to expand the offense. He gives them an element that they didn't have before. However, was that by design earlier? You know, did they, did they mm-hmm. not have a role for him because they're that power based team and, that fits more with what Cam Newton does and that he's a drop back passer. He's, he's going to throw the ball downfield. Christian McCaffrey is, is a player that gives him a different element, but it, but is he a guy that is a round peg in a square hole? 
I don't know. Right. You know, it's good. I, I think I think I'm going to avoid him, John, and let somebody else kind of deal with him and make that gamble. But it could be something that you pay. It, it winds off paying off big because McCaffrey is that guy that can do multiple things for you, a la Danny Woodhead. Yeah, I mean, I would feel better if he had landed with Denver with Mike McCoy as the OC there, somebody who has a history of featuring receiver Danny Woodhead uh, in the passing game and has, has fed the ball via the air to a guy like that. So, um, I, I mean, I think the intention looks like it's there, but can they execute it and, and will Cam Newton execute it is the, is the question. Let's talk about a couple of the running backs before we move on. Uh, Samaj, uh, Samaj P. Ryan, Sam P. Ryan is um, – he winds up with Washington. He was really productive at, at Oklahoma, John. So I think that's kind of a, an interesting case study in that. And Washington, you know, their, their running back depth chart is, is weak. Uh, then you got Kareem Hunt and Joe Williams. So talk about that group. Yeah, this is the next, uh, next three that look like they are legit, have legit chances to win the, win the starting job. I don't, I don't feel strongly about Hunt uh, as the other two because I think Spencer Ware is better significantly better uh than people realize um so i'm not too high on hunt uh, i really think he'll be the backup and and we'll we'll have spencer he'll be the spencer Ware show uh until he gets injured or uh if he doesn't then he's gonna have a real good season he's going in the fifth round i think that's a great value for for spencer Ware. um so this is pronounced pe- pairing uh p ryan p ryan <laughs> p ryan yep <laughs> those of those of you who listen to me know I can't pronounce anybody's name. So P Ryan, <laughs> Sam, I'm going to go Sam P Ryan. All right, so he's. Uh, I think Rob Kelly has is vulnerable. Like so, you, when you when you look at these rookies, you got to look at the at the starters ahead of them and which ones are vulnerable and which ones aren't. And I think uh, Rob Kelly is more vulnerable than uh, Spencer Ware. Uh, I think uh, Carlos Hyde is more vulnerable than Spencer Ware, to be honest. So uh, Sam uh, P Ryan. Is that, P Ryan. Is that right? P Ryan. God. Uh, I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it. I'm trying to remember what you said. All right. So P Ryan, Sam P Ryan, um, productive in college. Uh, looks like he, uh, is there to challenge Kelly. Kelly has uh, reported to camp and he's got much leaner in terms of his body fat percentage and everything. So fat Rob is still keeping the nickname, but he's less fat than he was last year. So this is a very interesting, uh, running back battle, job battle there, uh, this summer. I think. Whoever wins it will definitely be fantasy relevant. And then you have Chris Thompson uh, getting most of the passing down work. So uh, it's kind of a two-man backfield there. And then the, whoever's backing up, uh, whoever doesn't win the job is just the backup and has almost no value unless there's an injury. So uh, my money is on uh, uh, Perrine. 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 Ryan. All right, I got to spell it two E's or three E's. I'm going to have to follow you around, John, just to, in case you, you say oh, that man. name. I'll just come up behind you. P. Ryan. P. Ryan. Okay. Uh, so that's where I'm at with that. I, I think he's the he's a good value eighth rounder right now, I believe. Um, I think he may be going in the seventh. I think he went sitting seventh in my latest MFL 10 that I'm in, or my, actually the first one for the year. Uh, and then Joe Williams. So if you look into the story with how the 49ers drafted Joe Williams uh, before the draft, there was some talk about uh, from, from John Lynch about how Carlos Hyde may or may not fit with Cal Shanahan's offense, uh, his running style with Cal Shanahan's um, offense. So when the fourth round, when there was the break before the fourth round, 
uh, Shanahan was trying to figure out a way for, for the team to get Joe Williams. That was the guy he wanted to target. And John Lynch was not like for it because of all the character concerns that were going on with Joe Williams. So he, Lynch called Williams before the, the round began to talk to him and to see if, if Williams could convince him that whatever issues he had are behind him, um, you know, get a decent explanation for those issues. And eventually Lynch, uh, or uh, he, he traded up and got Joe Williams. So this was the, the player that they really, 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 really wanted. And Shanahan wanted him for his offense. So that coupled with a report uh, last week saying that uh, Hyde looked uh, slow and indecisive in, in OTAs. Um, if you follow me, you know that I don't get too excited about positive OTA stories. But if there's no negative OTA stories, you, you should pay attention to those because those generally lead to uh, bad seasons. And I think... Uh, we're looking at a situation where Joe Williams going pretty late in drafts right now uh, has a legit chance to, to beat Carlos Hyde out for this, for this job. And um, th- that would make him a great value where he's being drafted right now. Yeah. Joe Williams was an interesting story because he quit on Utah. He quit on the team and had some stuff going on. So Lynch, Lynch wanted to call him out, like you said, and say, Hey, listen, uh, I think he, he made the, the reference. John Lynch made the reference of, I couldn't get it out of my head that he quit the team, but it was kind of an interesting backstory. I won't go in, in, into everything. If you, there's plenty of articles on Joe Williams, but he's an interesting case study. But, but when he came back to Utah, he was unbelievable last yeah, season. Yeah, he really tore it up to the end. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's got, he's a good player and he's worth, worth following. Any other thoughts, guys like, uh, Deontay Foreman, the former Texas running back who winds up in Houston or Alvin Kamara? Alvin Kamara, I thought was going to be a stud and he winds up in New Orleans. It's kind of a crowded depth chart, but any other thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I think you're looking at the rest of the guys are sort of need an injury ahead of them to to get it to get an opportunity to play a ton. Uh, Foreman, it looks like a if if something were to happen to Miller, he would blow up. So he's he's kind of in attrition play. I think Kamara has to uh, deal with Mark Ingram, who can catch the ball. Adrian Peterson can't really catch the ball. So Kamara's, you know, he's he, he's fighting for that passing down back uh, role in in New Orleans and has and so that's. Uh, him and like Jeremy Nichols are guys that could sort of emerge as, as uh, players in midseason if there's some injuries ahead of them that you know could could produce, but they're not somebody I'm actively going out and trying to draft. Let's talk about wide receivers. As you mentioned, three wide receivers went in the first round of the 2017 NFL draft. They all went within the first nine picks. They being Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and John Ross. As you know, John, they're all bound to produce, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so, You're actually so right not so fast. So. I wrote, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 you want to get excited about, about uh, players, players like this because they're going through situations where they're really, really needed, most of them. Most of them. And, uh, they, don't always, they don't always, they don't always, they don't always produce. produce. I, I looked at the, looked at the 25, 25 receivers drafted, drafted uh, uh, in the first, in the first, let's see here, let's see here. first ten, ten picks, six. No, the first, no, nine, first picks. nine picks. I forget. I forget. I'm looking at my article right now. Sorry. Sorry. Drafted inside the top, 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 top Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Fifty-five point uh, nine uh, catches for eight hundred twenty-four yards and six point zero touchdowns, and that's actually within the last. Uh, since 2011, so that's only eight receivers. Those are pretty good numbers. If you look at the, the whole crew did, it wasn't real impressive. It was 49 
or 43 receptions for 597 yards and four touchdowns. That's the last 20, you know, that's the average of the last 25 receivers drafted inside the top 10. That's what they did in their rookie years. And that's, uh, you know, equates to number 61 fantasy receiver of 2016, Eli Rogers. So that's not what you're looking for. But, uh, since 2011, the numbers are up. Um, and if you, if you remove Kevin White from that subgroup, uh, you have 61 catches for 915 yards and seven touchdowns. And that's uh, about what Stefan Diggs scored as number 30 receiver. So that's a more legitimate expectation for what uh, a rookie receiver, you know, drafted in the top 10 should be able to do, uh, you know, on average. So I think Corey Davis has a, a decent chance to be the number one receiver in Tennessee. I'm, you know, I'm partial to Richard, uh, uh, Richard Matthews. I think that they're going to be kind of one and one a right now. Uh, with Matthews being a little better than advertised. And if you look at where they're being drafted, Davis in the fifth round, Matthews in the 10th or 11th, I would just rather have Matthews uh, because I think the production will be a lot closer there than what the, the draft stock, uh, draft capital you have to use to get the players. Uh, Mike Williams is, I'm not optimistic about him. He's got a back injury. He's out until camp. On top of that, um, he's got Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin, Dontrell Inman to to beat out. So I think he's more of a long-term play there for the, for the chargers. And then John Ross, I think he's a player definitely to monitor. Is he, is he running with the starters opposite AJ green or is he still trying to beat out LaFell and, and Tyler Boyd and in, in the, in the uh, training camp, or is he, is he solidified his position as the number two receiver there? If, if he has, you know, by August uh, won that job, then I think he'll be, uh, you know, a wide receiver four type, maybe a wide receiver three type. He's extremely fast and is a better route runner than people give him credit for. Uh, I was looking at some of the busts in the, in the top 10 here. And, you know, you're looking at guys like, uh, Adarius Hayward Bay, um, you know, speed guys, Ted Ginn, who's, who's better now than he was as a rookie. Um, some of those, some of those guys that can really fly go, go too early in these drafts and they end up being a bust. But I think, uh, John Ross uh, has the uh, the route running to to have a good rookie season if he wins that job. Who are some second and third rounders that could have an opportunity to jump on the fantasy radar? Well, I mentioned Zay Jones because uh, earlier because he is probably going to be the number two receiver in Buffalo. But if if Macklin signs there, Decker signs there, then his his outlook is gonna is gonna get worse. Uh, Cooper Cup's interesting in uh, in L.A. because of uh, the, the, the lack of talent they have in the receiver receiving core there. They signed Robert Woods, um, to replace Kenny Britt. Uh, they let Brian Quick go. Uh, so you have Tavon Austin, um, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup as your likely top three. And he was very productive in college cup and, uh, could, uh, lead the team in, in catches. Is just not going to catch many touchdowns from, from Jared Goff. You have a couple of players listed in your other thoughts section for the wide receivers, including the Panthers' Curtis Samuel, who was unbelievable at Ohio State, a real burner, and Juju Smith-Schuster, who was excellent for USC. He winds up with Pittsburgh. Thoughts on those two guys before we move on? Well, I think Samuel was signed to replace uh, Ted Ginn. So that and Ted Ginn was has been pretty good with the Panthers in terms of being a surprise fancy play uh, in any given week or, you know, outplaying his draft position. Um, so if Samuel is getting that type of work, uh, then he certainly uh, could produce this year. And then I think Smith Schuster is, is probably um, uh, 
you know, going to be fighting for a job, uh, fighting for snaps behind uh, Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, uh, pre- presuming he's um, good to go for uh, 2017. And, uh, you know, Eli Rogers. So you're looking at him as a possible pickup in midseason if something happens to, to Bryant or to, to Brown. And our Darius Stewart, we didn't talk, we didn't talk about him at all, but he's kind of getting, you know, attrition is allowing him to move up the depth chart with, uh, with Eric Decker out now. So he's, he's a player to watch in, in New York. Let's talk about the tight ends. And as you noted right in the first paragraph of that section, the aforementioned list of tight ends that finished in the top 12 is short. It consists of only Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Why do you write that uh, there's a problem with O.J. Howard, who drew a lot of interest before the draft? Well, there, there, are, paths, there are paths for O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, and David Yoku, uh, who or Joku. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, Joku, right? Okay, so uh, there's a path for those guys to be fantasy relevant this year. I just... And betting on any of them to finish in the top 12 is probably a, a bad idea. Uh, OJ Howard is dealing with Cameron Brait. Uh, Cameron Brait was the number seven fantasy tight end last year. So, you know, the chances that Howard plays enough snaps, uh, immediately to, uh, finish in the top 12 seem unlikely to me. Um, so I've got him ranked in the top 20 somewhere. Uh, Evan Ingram, uh, is a, a, an interesting player to watch if he's getting starter snaps with the Giants and is going to play 80-90% of the snaps then he could very well uh put post starter numbers um but generally the the rookie thing works against uh the tight end position but he's you know they they've compared him to uh Jordan Reed so if he if he's more of a receiver than he is really uh having to worry about blocking um then he might be able to make a, a quicker ascension in the NFL although uh, I believe the offensive coordinator there said that he was going to train Ingram to block. And that was, sounds like kind of counterintuitive to getting him on the field <laughs> as quickly as possible. And then Joku, sure. um, uh, they, they cut Gary Barnage. So it's wide open there. He could get snaps right away and we'll see how he does. Uh, it's just generally speaking, I'm just anti rookie tight end. And that's because, for, you know, in years and years and years and years, uh, they just don't, they tend not to produce. So, um, you're, you're better off getting a, a vet that's uh, got a track record behind him. And then uh, just to kind of wrap it up, you got any bottom line thoughts on this year's rookie draft class and how it could impact the uh, fantasy football league yeah, uh, I talk season? About, yeah, I talk about it in the, in the opener is that there's about four and a half rookies per year that finish in the top 12 or in tight end at quarterback or top 24 running back and wide receiver. And, and I, I, would, I haven't done a study in a while. The last time I did it, they – Basically, the rookies were being overdrafted based on the type of production that they, they gave relative to the other players being drafted around them. Um, there is, there are the occasional exceptions and, and sometimes this four and a half is made up of, uh, highly drafted players that are obvious fits like Leonard Fournette or Ezekiel Elliott. And then sometimes they're made up of guys that come out of nowhere to, to produce like, uh, Tyree Kill did, uh, from the fifth round last year, finishing as the number 24, uh, rookie, uh, receiver or 20 number 24 receiver last year. So, um, you know, even if you think you have your four or five that you like, you know, probably the cases, probably two or three of them are not going to, to pan out for you. And I would think long and hard before drafting a rookie, uh, in the top, in the first four or five rounds, other than, other than Leonard Fournette this year. 
All right, John, that'll do it. Don't forget about our early birds uh, pricing going on right now, 444.com, $24 a year for that class subscription, 49 bucks for the year for a pro subscription. That includes unlimited draft analyzer, live sync, and also league sync. And as John told you, the DFS subscription is $79 for the year, and that includes everything in the pro subscription along with all of 444's DFS content as well. Uh, John, you can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me at Anthony Stalter if you're so inclined. And, John, when are we going to do our next pod? Is this a weekly thing now or are we going to stretch it out a little bit? We're looking We're looking every week. Uh, I'll be gone in early July for a trip, and I don't think we'll be able to do it. And I don't know if you have any vacation this summer, but we're going to look every Wednesday here, and then once the season starts, try to get into every Monday and Friday like we did last year. Yeah, Kristen and I are going to New York one one weekend in or one week in in August, but we can figure it out. Yeah, it's, uh, and maybe I can maybe I can have somebody on uh, in in your stead and then try to host, which is usually a disaster, but we 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 typically get through it. Maybe we get Chris no. Harris on to fill in for you. You Dang. you and Chris Harris, it's just longer podcast. It's about you know four hours because you and That's true. you and Chris like to talk. We get, uh, but we it's get always going. good. We get rambling. Yes, you do. So, all right. Well, we'll talk to you again next Wednesday. That's it for John Paulson. I'm Anthony Stalter. Tune in next time. The 444.com is the most accurate podcast.